Good morning, good morning, good morning. Those watching online as well as those here in person. My name is John Omquist. I am excited to be with you guys. I want to start by re- yeah, come on, okay. For those watching online, people here in person, we're clapping. Why? Because we can see people. It's exciting for us. We're weird like that. We're extroverts. You might be introverted. God bless you. All that to say, though, is, hey, I want to start by reading the text we're going to be in today. If you have a Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5. I'm going to start by reading that, and then we're going to pray. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Paul to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the gift of being a united body, those in person and those gathering online. Lord, I pray that as we go to use this time, may we proclaim your word. May we be preachers of it. May I rightly divide it. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And Father, would you come and what we always ask, would you do what only you can do and that's change lives? Would you help those of us who know you to leave here more in love with you? And then would you help those folks here who are wrestling with you, who don't know you or are perhaps confused in faith, would you give them that gift, lead them to know you? If you guys would, at home or in person, if you would, please take the next 10 seconds. And if you have a faith, just just pray to yourself that God would use this time in your life to strengthen you, to help you. If y'all would, please take another 10 seconds. Pray for me. Pray that I would be useful to the master, helpful. Lord, we love you. We give you this time. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, as I shared, so excited to be with you guys. This weekend, I had the joy of getting to do something I don't really get to do often. You might see up here, I feel a little bit like a magician getting to pull this off. I've never been into magic, but I still feel like that could be fun. But ready? I'm going to try. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. yeah. All right. See, everyone, it's been back. They're, they're excited for it. Why? Because there's just something. All right. No, I got the privilege, the chance. I went to go play golf with some friends of mine, right? We went, we played golf. Now, now you, you may be an avid golfer. You may have never golfed. I still think you'll be able to connect with this. I enjoy golf. I'm not very good, but I can get around the course. So it's still fun for me. But there was something that I discovered while I was playing golf. I'd never really thought about it before. I would come, and at every stroke, you've got to come to your golf bag, and you have to pick out the club you want to use. Now, I imagine you all know this. You can get a club, you can hit it really far, putter really short. You pick. It's all for situations and for distances. Here was the thing, though. Half of the clubs in my bag, 
I don't like. Why don't I like them? I can't hit them worth a darn, right? So this one right here, like this, the driver, the big stick, this is the one you're supposed to use this on every hole, unless it's a par three. I didn't even touch it. Why? Because man, every time I go to line up to hit that, I do it wrong, I send it sailing, I somehow feel like I'm in the home run derby and I just want to crank one and it goes the wrong direction. So this, I don't like it, I don't want to use it, I avoid it. But then we come, this three hybrid, I like this one. This one, it helps me, I keep it in the bag, that's one I use. My four iron, like if you know golf, we're working our way up. Four iron, I kind of like this one. For some reason, low irons, they're harder to hit, but this one I like. Five iron, I hate this thing. Hate it. Literally, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. There are a couple moments where I went to hit it, like there's witnesses. I was yielded to the Holy Spirit, but almost broke it over my leg. Five iron, don't like it. Don't like the way it hits. I don't like the way it makes me feel, even when I hold it. I have a terrible relationship. Yes, I should probably work through that. I've got baggage. Five iron, don't touch it. That comes to six iron. I don't really think about the six iron. Why? I like the seven iron. The seven iron, for some reason, maybe it's because I saw 10 cup, maybe it's because I like Kevin Costner, but this is just a club. I like the seven iron. Eight iron, I could use that. Nine iron, much like the six iron. Why even use it? You have a pitching wedge? I don't understand why you'd grab a nine iron. Like nine iron, I could use a hard wedge, it's not worth it for me. I don't like it, don't like the way it hits, I set those aside. I come, and I know if you don't know gat, what, golf or whatever, this is probably weird for you. I have a pitching wedge and a wedge that has an A on it. I think that's an all wedge. Yeah, I don't even know. Here's the deal. I don't use it. Don't understand what it's for. I don't use it. I don't like it. Here's what I end up with. I end up with a bag where I use half the clubs. The other half I don't like. I can't use them right. I don't like what makes me feel. I don't have as much fun with them. It's not what I want. So I ditch that other half of the bag. Now here's the thing. When you play golf and you're bad like me, you can do whatever you want. But this is exactly what people do with their theology. When I say theology, here's what I mean. Your thoughts, your views about God. Like, let's say even you grew up in church, or you have a Christian background, or you would come and you say his word is true. Here's what happens. God's word, theology, the truth about him, it's like his whole counsel. It's a full bag. But there are parts of it that we don't like. There are parts of it that we don't understand. And so what do we do? Like me with a stupid golf club, we pull it out, and we get rid of it. We avoid it. But then there's these parts that we love. We come and we cling to it and we love it in this shallow, watered-down, emaciated, unbiblical version of God forms our theology. Church, people who believe in Jesus, I'm so excited to spend our time talking today about how your view of God on so many levels should have nothing to do with the way I approach my golf game. How because God's word, it's true, it is absolutely true, it is always true, from begin to end, it's true. You don't just keep the part you like, you take all of it. Like we exist, and this is true, like if you believe in Jesus or if you don't, we exist in a culture, man, where this is exactly what we do. 
We call it tolerance, but then we, we, we keep what we love. Everything else we get rid of, we avoid, we don't listen to. And I'm not saying that that's entirely wrong. Like, there's a difference between truth and lies, reality and falsehood. Sometimes that's right. But what happens when the Christian comes to the hard difficulty, the reality of God, the pain that he, have, he might have allowed in your life, and yet he's still sovereign in it, the holiness that he calls you to, while he so deeply wants you to have abundance? What happens when we exist in a world, in a culture that allows you to separate when God says, no, you take all of my truth. That's what we've been spending our time talking about the past few weeks. We've been working our way through, through a book in your Bible. It's a letter written from the Apostle Paul to his spiritual mentee, this church planner, this pastor, Timothy, this up-and-coming leader and disciple-maker. And he's writing to him, and he's saying, you don't, you don't just take the whole counsel of God. You don't just take it all as truth but this is what you preach. This is what you tell the world. Because guys, here's the thing. What God has said is true. It is not up to me. It is not up to you to pull things out of that bag. You leave all of it. Why? All of it is right. So that's why as Paul's building this beautiful theology of the truth of God's word, his inerrant Scripture. Today we're going to talk about you don't just know this, you don't just learn this, you don't just trust this, you preach this. Now the word preach in America, it carries this strange connotation. It comes with like preacher, someone in a pulpit like this, or you picture the person outside of a sports game that's just like yelling condemnation at other people as they're just trying to like get like a lemon slushy before they get to their seat. That can mean preaching, heralding, proclaiming. But preaching also just means telling, talking with. Today, I'm excited to spend our time talking about how you and I are meant to tell the word of God. To say it differently, we tell the truth. You tell the truth. You preach the word. And what that does not look like is dividing the bag. That looks like taking God's entire counsel we tell the truth. We're going to be in 2 Timothy, as, as I read at the top, we're going to look in chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. We're going to see how, as you go to do this, there's three principles as we go to really talk about why it matters so much if you're a believer in Christ that you and I, that we tell the truth. The first one is because we're supposed to. The first theme is we preach the truth. The second, and this speaks to even the heart of believers, there's something in you and there's something in me we still have this tendency. We flirt with lies. But then on this mission, in this life of telling the truth, we don't quit. As you're turning to 2 Timothy, if you're not already there, you need to know a little bit of background. As I shared, Paul, he's writing this letter to his mentee, this church planner, this disciple maker, Timothy. He's writing this letter to Timothy while Timothy, he's leading a church in Ephesus. He's enduring tremendous hardship, tremendous persecution, tremendous suffering. He might literally lose his life for telling the truth. 
Paul, he writes this from a prison cell where he will lose his life for telling the truth. So the background is one pastor to another, instilling in this heart, pressing in to the soul this theme of, hey, Tim, don't you ever stop telling the truth. You don't pick parts, you tell it all. Church, this message that Paul's going to read, it would apply absolutely to someone in a vocation like mine. But this applies to any follower of Christ, to any leader of the church, which simply said God's people. So today we're going to see how you, how me, if you believe in Jesus, if you don't, I get why you don't. I get it. But if you believe in Jesus, how you and I, we must tell the truth. I'm going to reread verses two, or excuse me, one through two, to get our first theme of telling the truth. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. The first theme that we see here is we talk about how you and I, followers of Jesus Christ, his church, we don't have an option. We've been given a mandate. We tell the truth. How do we do that? We preach the truth. I love how Paul starts this out with Timothy. This text, the tone of it, it's more solemn. It's heavy. It's almost as if Paul, knowing Timothy, Paul anticipating his death, it's almost as if he's like passing the torch to a degree. Because he starts by reminding Timothy, Timothy, this is serious. Church, this is serious. He says, I charge you. To charge, it would be like to take a solemn oath. My brother-in-law, when I graduated undergrad, he graduated from medical school. And I can remember being at the ceremony where he took his Hippocratic oath. I don't remember it at all, but it was this real serious thing where it's this diehard pledge in his heart. He doesn't believe in Jesus, but it's a vow he sincerely carries. Do no harm or something like that right? It's this sense, it's this solemn charge to Timothy. Timothy, it will cost you. Don't ever stop telling the truth. And then he gives him some reasons why. And he sets up this eschatological like perspective. All that means is like this, think like eternal in times. He says, I charge you. And Paul doesn't even say, do this because I'm telling you. He says, do this because God is watching. Church, y'all hear that? You don't don't be scared of God. But what's true, the life of a Christian, you are not saved by your works, but the saved get to work. Why does he charge? God's watching. The second one, he says, is Christ will judge. It's this theme. Jesus Christ, me as a teacher, publicly from a pulpit of God's word, will hold me, according to the book of James, to a higher standard. But here's what I'm telling you. He will hold you to a standard. That should not create in you a scared sense, but it should create in you a sense of, I better tell the truth. And the third thing he says, and then his kingdom and coming. It's three reasons for this charge. The third one, he's reminding Timothy, hey, Timothy, I know it's hard. I know Ephesus might turn on you. I know it doesn't look great right now, but here's what you need to remember. Christ is coming back, and when he comes, he'll bring his kingdom. So you concern yourself with the kingdom to come, not the kingdom that is here. Tell the truth. And then he talks about how. 
This is perhaps a famous passage to some where he says, preach the word. To preach, again, it means herald, to tell. The word, what is that? It can mean in your Bible a few different things. Here's what I think Timothy's talking about. The word, it can mean the gospel, this true message of how you can actually have a saving relationship with Jesus. It's not by your works. It's by what he's done. You're a sinner in need of a savior. It's not you being a better version of yourself. It's not you finally attending church again or stopping this sinful act or that sinful act. It's recognizing Jesus Christ paid a penalty on the cross for all of your wickedness, all of mine. And all he pleads with you is to believe. That word, it can be used in that sense, but it's also, and we really see this by the context, it is speaking to the counsel in the word of God. Timothy, or excuse me, Paul to Timothy, he's been building this theme this is God breathed. It's God Almighty's breath on a page, this redemption and rescue note to you and to me. And Paul's telling him, this is what you teach. You rightly divide it. You examine it. You study it. You do it in the counsel of others. This is what you teach. You be winsome. You be loving. And you be unapologetic Next thing he says is not just what. Then he says, when do you do this? You be ready in season and out of season. It's this idea of convenience. When are followers of Christ meant to tell the truth? All the time. Be ready. When it's convenient to you, when you kind of have that kind of like spiritual energy inside of you, all of a sudden you're feeling courageous and it's like, man, I will share with the person that's checking me out in the checkout line all the way to, hey man, this Thanksgiving I'm going home and I'm going to tell my family how Jesus Christ, I've started to walk with him and it's actually changing things and they're going to look at me so strange and I'm going to be different, but I'm going to do it when it's convenient and when it's not when you don't feel this deep sense or connection or feeling with God, he's still with you. Be faithful. You preach it. When you don't see all of a sudden this fruit just being thrown off, you preach his word. Before COVID-19, when you could sit down and talk to someone, and after COVID-19, when you got to go outside and you sing with masks, you preach his word. That's the when. How? You reprove. Reprove, it means to instruct. It means to correct. You rebuke. It's this word that for so many of us, it carries this negative connotation because it's someone in like self-righteousness yelling down at someone else. No, no, it means to plead, to turn back. There's brokenness in you and not from self-righteousness, but righteousness. Turn back. It corrects and exhorts. To exhort, it means to come and emphatically speak life into somebody. You ever had a moment where you've just been down, like just down? You love God, you're trying your best, you're, you're trying to get it all together, but life's just hard, just been down, and someone has come to you and they've spoken a word like what Proverbs says. It's like a sweet honeycomb to your lips. You tell the truth. And then there's this convicting part right at the end, and not if it's all convicting, and it tells us how again, with complete patience and teaching. Sometimes that feels like to me, even as a parent, like my role as a parent, generally, right, for my kiddos, it's to model Christ's way, to train them in truth, to pray for them, to entrust them to God, and to protect them in all things. I can generally think about, yeah, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that. And I fail at that, I acknowledge that. But doing that with a sense of complete patience, 
my community group correcting, leading, and admonishing me, I tell you what, sometimes I don't make them feel patient. But church, that's why we don't come, and as you preach, you don't just tear people's houses down. You don't just shoot Bible verses at people. You love them. Why? This is what Christ has done for you. Do you see that? Church, we tell the truth and why. We are preachers. You, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, whether you accept this or not, you are a preacher. You do it with products that you love. You do it with things that you like, the Instagram followers that you follow and kind of the vein of things that they represent, they sell or that sponsor them, all the way to the different things that you want to be about, the products you love, the politicians you support. You represent the things that you like. Christ is just pleading with you and me to preach about what we love. There's days where I knock this out of the park, not because of anything good in me, but because of the Holy Spirit. And then there's days like yesterday where I miss it. See, this preaching of the word, it can have to do with teaching the counsel of God's word, but also sharing this message. I was at Office Depot yesterday. I went to check out to, to buy some um, paper goods for a discipleship class we're doing. And as we're sitting there, there's a guy checking me out, and I go to try to start a spiritual conversation with him. Now, for me, the way that I do that is I tend to ask questions, and then based on the conversation, I find different ways to kind of get to a talk about Jesus. And I started asking things like, well, yeah, or I reference, oh, yeah, man, here's what I'm printing these out for. I'm a part of a church, and we're doing this class on Sundays. It's COVID, so we got to get a little creative. That's why I'm here printing. The person back behind the counter shuts it down. Just quiet. Now, that's okay. That's okay. I try again. Hey, what do you got going on this weekend? Do you have to work all weekend? Because if you can get all weekend, usually you can get to Sunday and say, oh, man, well, for me, I gather on Sundays. Is that ever hard for you? Do you happen to have a spirituality or faith? I ask him, and he just says, I work today and tomorrow. Shut down. Then comes that point where you kind of like try to have like that like conversational smooth entrance and God's just like tapping you on the heart and he's like, there's no smooth entrance, man. You just jump right into it. Right about that time, this gal walks up and gets in the line. So now there's another person with us. Second goes by. Second goes by. Second goes by. Second goes by. Every time it's say something. Say something. Say something. He gets a call from an employee in the back to go back and look at something. He walks away. I did not preach the truth. Are there days that I do? Yes. Do I want to live that way? Yes. But are there some times where you miss it? Yeah. I use that as an example in that moment. There was an insecurity that kept me from it. There was a worry. There was a fear of what others thought. I cared more about that than caring about this true anthem, this charge from God. Now, that's not to create guilt or shame or anything on you for those moments of evangelism. I know that can be hard and scary, but it is to demonstrate this greater truth. You've been commissioned. You've been called. Tell the truth. You do it with the server. You do it with the checkout. You do it in your community group. You do it when your child comes and asks a question. You say, hey, let's turn here and let me show you. Tell the truth. And it matters that we, we focus on truth because you and I, guys, we have a tendency to drift the other direction. J let's jump back in your Bible. Let's read verses three and four. Three and four, Paul says to Timothy, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. 
Guys, the second reason that we as the church, the people of God, we are called to tell the truth is because there's an honest antidote. We combat lies. And right here, you see Paul writing to Timothy, even in a sense inside the church, inside the people of God, we have this tendency, which is our second theme. This tendency is we have, we flirt with lies. We flirt with lies. Right here, and Paul's been doing this with Timothy, he's been talking about false teachers and imposters, but I love the heart that he takes here. He says the reason false teachers exist is because they can find an audience. The reason that exists is they can find an audience, and oftentimes it's our hearts that drift that way. But let's see that even here as we look at this passage. He starts out, for the time is coming. This would speak to Timothy like literally there in Ephesus as well as to today. For the time is coming when people, here's the first theme, will not endure sound teaching. Your Bible, it may say healthy teaching. It's speaking to scripture, biblical authority. It's the idea of where they'll come and they want to hear this, but don't you grab the wrong club. You grab the wrong club. I'm going down the street to find somebody that tells me what I want to hear. I love how it uses the word endure because your Bible's honest. There's things when it comes to sound teaching that in the discipleship, the development of the believer in the soul, you wrestle with God. You get to know him. You press into it. You learn. You ask faithful saints that have gone before you. But it says, hey, They'll stop enduring. And then he goes on. They won't endure sound teaching, but having itching ears. Your your Bible, it may say, tickling ears. It's a weird language. It's a weird euphemism from the first century that's talking about they want to hear what they want to hear. What that means is they don't want to hear what God has to say. They want to hear what they want to have heard. He goes on to talk about what do they do from that? They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Right here, I almost picture in the hearts of people, we collect teachers like kids collect tokens. Here's what I mean by that. They accumulate teachers. Hey, if this teacher won't tell me what I want, I'm going to go to this one. And I really like what this one tells me about this, so I'm going to go to this one to tell me about that and then that one. And then all of a sudden, we create our own theology And our heart wants to do that. Why? And you have to acknowledge this if you're a follower of Christ. Why are they doing it? To suit their own passions. Even with the Holy Spirit within you, there are times of your life where you do not desire what God desires. You desire what you desire. And in brokenness, you can go and flirt with those lies. And let's be honest, guys. Sometimes we don't flirt. We just give way to. We make a home in. You can apply this to your approach to morality. You can apply this to your approach to scripture. You don't like parts of it. You can absolutely go find teachers that'll tell you, well, yeah, take that out. Take that out. Or or here's why, and they explain away. Why? Because of their inner passions. What happens then? They will turn away from listening to the truth. This is literally like they're walking in a direction of truth, and they go back. When you go back, what do you do? You wander. Wandering, it's walking without purpose or aim. 
They've lost a sense of direction. No wonder so many people, we are in a crisis of purpose. And they land where? They land in the land of myth. I hope you see this from this passage. What happens? You stop enduring sound teaching. What do you do? You then have itching ears. You want to hear what you want to hear. So you go and you accumulate teachers that suit your desires, your passions. You start putting what you want into God's word rather than allowing God's word to inform your life. You turn from truth. You wander in the midst I could give example after example after example at a micro level of this in my own life where I have to walk in repentance and then macro level where we have seen Christian leaders just turn. Husbands just abandon. Wives forsake. The whole adage, and I think it's because they haven't yet sincerely come to know the grace of Jesus Christ. The the kid who goes through the student ministry goes off to college and turns. We all have that brokenness in us. We have a tendency to flirt with the lies. I was thinking about some of these myths, because here's the, the true reality. This has always been true, tragically, of God's people. This has always been true, tragically, of God's people. Jeremiah, he was a prophet of God in your Old Testament. He has a section where, in general, he's calling people of God to truth. They don't repent. God brings judgment, and it breaks his heart. In Jeremiah chapter 5, he describes part of the reason why that happens. Here's what he writes in verses 30 and 31. He says, an appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. Heartbreaking. Prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule at their direction. So those meant to teach the truth, they don't teach it. Those meant to lead in righteousness, they lead in what seems right to them. That sound like our culture? Does that sound like in many places, even, and I'm gonna say, the American church? May it never be. What is he gonna end it with? My people love to have it so. They loved the fact that the false teaching was false. They loved the fact that the priestly leaders led in the unrighteousness. My people love to have it so, and then he ends it. But what will you do when the end comes? It speaks back to that solemn charge. God is witness. God will judge. God is coming. This has always been true. This is true today. These myths, some of the ones that I can think about before we, uh, we keep going, Myth number one in my mind. Good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. Myth. Absolute myth. Forgiven people go to heaven. That's it. Do the forgiven tend to change? Oh, yeah. Myth number two. God doesn't really care as long as you're happy. God just wants you to be happy. Myth. God wants you to walk by faith in a holiness of him. And there are seasons of that where your heart bursts with joy, delight, and happiness, and laughter. And there are seasons that could be marked by the dark night of the soul where you're pleading, Holy Spirit, help me to walk by faith. Why? In both, he wants you to depend on him. He's not after your happiness. He's after your holiness, because in your and my holiness, we are more like him. Another myth that I think shows up 
This one, well, they're all frustrating to me, but if you had enough faith, then you would have more prosperity. Complete lie. Total fabrication. What's true, if you have enough faith, you are sealed for an eternity, you will see God, and you can walk by faith in this light no matter what comes. Final myth, love is love. Or how that can show up oftentimes in the church is just love them. Just love them. And so many of these myths, it's like a half-truth. When you no longer define love biblically, this can very quickly become a myth. There's a God in heaven who's defined it. That's why we tell the truth. But what do we have, guys? We have a tendency to flirt with the lies. We have that. That's why Paul, he's preaching to Timothy. Hey, Timothy, as you go back, tell them that. Pull them back from this. Recognize some will drift. You just keep telling the truth. And then it comes to the third theme. And I love this because I think it's Paul just being honest. It won't always be easy. You got to expect it to be hard. Don't quit. Reading verse 5, Paul to Timothy says, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. I'm going to read it one more time for me. As for you, so he's contrasting the false teachers and then those who go that way to Timothy. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. He starts there by saying, hey, be sober-minded. That doesn't mean just don't drink too much. It's this idea of, hey, Timothy, you got to have your wits about you. you got to be level-headed with this. You have to know as you go to do this what you're facing, which is why he follows it with endure suffering. See, this is a message in the American church or even New Braunfels or in my life. I don't really like hearing this message. I honestly like the happy, the joy, the wonderful things. The, the, the sermons on my identity in Christ, loved, forgiven, and free, all of that is true. Once you know, once you have that, I, that identity, you go and you tell the world how they can become sons and daughters of God. And not all of them will like you. There's a truth that if you go to tell the truth at your high school, your college campus, your office, the person you're dating. If this is it, by the way, don't date them, right? The person you're dating, your unbelieving spouse, the family you gather with when you get together for Christmas. If you expect that to be smooth, you are missing an aspect of the commission of God. What comes next? Do the work of an evangelist. Now, Timothy, he's a pastor. Does this mean go get a different job? No, it's saying you go tell them those who don't believe how they can have faith in Christ. And then you go tell those who do believe how they can grow in a faithfulness in Christ. And then he ends it with fulfill your ministry. Fulfill means to complete. It means to see it all the way through. How many times when you're sharing truth, when you're lovingly doing that, do you want to pull up short? You don't want to do things that are hard. This past week, my wife, she went out of town uh, and she left me with a honey-do list, right? And that honey-do list included paint the master bedroom. 
right? I'm a terrible painter, but my wife's like, don't worry about it. She literally, she got a loophole on me though. Not that I need a loophole, I'm a follower of Jesus, right? But she got me on a loophole. She's like, hey, John, I just need you to promise me you're gonna actually try, you know? As if I was just throw pain up there. I could have done that, right? But she says, hey, I need you to promise me you're actually gonna try. I go, we even get the nice paint. Why do you get the nice paint? Because you don't wanna paint a second coat. You don't wanna do that. Guess what? Even the nice paint, and I'm not putting anyone on blast, Sherwin-Williams, right? Even the nice paint needed a second coat. Second coat. I didn't want to do a second coat. Why? It's hard. I'm selfish. I'm repenting. I'm honest. But guys, if you go to tell the truth, there's going to be a lot of times you want to pull up short. It's going to be a lot of times you don't want to follow through. We're going to talk about it next week, but it's building this theme. Finish well. Fulfill your ministry. Tell the truth. As followers of Christ, by the power of the Spirit within us, we don't quit. And one day we'll see him. We will know rest. We'll know peace. We will know no sorrow. But until we're there, Tell the truth. You don't get to decide what is true. He's told you. You bend the knee to it, and then you lovingly, you winsomely, with complete patience and teaching, you tell yourself, you tell others. And we don't quit. Because the theme behind this is it does come at a cost. You've seen that even throughout this. You've seen that throughout 2 Timothy, even a broader way. Truth comes with a cost. But guys, you will pay a cost no matter what. You'll pay a cost in a moment where you and I, we stand before God, and you won't feel this way for an eternity. But the sense of, man, I wish I told the truth. I wish I shared. I wish I would have counseled my community group. I wish I would have continued to pour into my teenager that just rolled their eyes every single time. You'll wish for that. Or by faith, imperfectly, I'm imperfect, we live that now. Guys, we've seen 2 Timothy. We've looked at chapter four, verses one through five, where we've talked about how followers of Christ, the church, we are meant, we are called to tell the truth. The reason we tell the truth is we're preachers. We preach the truth. So what would it look like to do this in your life, right? What would it actually look like? If you're, if you're a member of the Springs, here's what I'm asking you to do. Over the next four weeks, share your faith with at least one person a week. Have a spiritual conversation. I got a great friend, Beth Owens, she like looks forward to every time she has to call customer service. Who feels that way? Not me. Because she gets these people, whether it be Amazon or Apple or IT or whatever, and she goes through, they solve her issue, and then Beth will say, hey, I know it may sound strange, but is there anything going on in your life I can just pray for? She'll never see them, ever. But she jumps in that way. If you want to start by just calling random customer service numbers, Great. If you want to practice patience, I recommend you trying one associated with a bank. Those take forever, right? But then you can get to a customer service rep, share that. 
You could talk with a server. You can ask questions like, hey, is there anything we could pray for? You can ask, do you have a faith? Do you have a spirituality? Would you mind if I share with you mine? You could do all of that. If you don't have a way to do that, if you don't feel comfortable, you email the Springs. We will get a group of people and we will go knock on doors and we will train you. We preach the truth. Another way you apply that, second way you apply preaching the truth is you decide before you ever give advice, always seek counsel. Here's what I mean. Before you go to give advice to your community group, to your kids, to your spouse, to your friends, you come and you have the humility and you have the courage, even if it starts with a Google search, to stop and say, what does God's word have to say about that? Before you give advice, you always seek counsel. We preach the truth. The second thing that's true is you gotta know that we have a tendency to flirt with lies. Some of you, you have given your hearts to lies. First thing I challenge you to do is fight to identify what that is. We all tend to have this tendency in us to know. There's a reason that it feels a little tense with you, that it doesn't sit easy. It's because you have the Holy Spirit in you if you believe in Christ. Come and be honest about that and then identify one of those and find a faithful, Bible-believing follower of Christ and say, hey, could you help me wrestle with this topic? This could be everything on God's exclusive stance of salvation to the reality of hell, to his standards on leadership, to a call to holiness and faithfulness with morality. It doesn't matter, the reality of creation, whatever. Be honest, because here's what you'll always find in faithful people of God. They have mercy on those who have doubts. They have mercy on those who have great questions. You'll always be loved and welcomed in that. Third thing, don't quit. This is a great one. I think this totally preaches for me. I think it preaches for you. If you've been in church for a long time, like with people of God, here's what I'm telling you. If you want to pursue faithfulness in your own life, if you want to help others, if you want to tell them the truth, stop expecting this to be easy. Stop expecting the abundant life to be the smooth life. Stop expecting you can just go through it avoiding difficulty, controversy, or conflict. No, God uses all of that to grow you and to grow others. Sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Guys, God is looking to transform hearts and communities. And he does that through a proclamation of his word that tells people, I love you. You are a sinner in need of me. I've died for all your brokenness. Believe. And when you follow me, I walk with you. I help you. I guide you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You won't be alone. I know your name. I see your difficulty, anxiety, depression, worry, arrogance, self-righteousness. I know it all. And I love you. From that love, don't you dare avoid the parts that are hard. Don't you dare water down what he has made clear. Don't you dare forsake teaching what is true. May I not. May we not. We tell the truth. God help us. Let me pray.
Father, I thank you for you. I just thank you that you're kind, that you're loving, that you're present, that you help us. I thank you for the gift of your word, how it calls us to faithfulness, how it calls us to righteousness. Lord, illuminate within us the broken parts where we find teachings that suit our own passions. May we follow you. Lord, I pray that you would pull back, help us to pull back those who go down the wrong paths, those who are turning away from truth and bring them back. May we never be just legalists, but may we love your word. We thank you that we're saved by grace. May we live in that as we tell the truth about what you've done and what your word says. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. To those in person as well as those online, thank you guys so much for joining us this morning. If you'd like to stick around and stay, in five minutes we're targeting 11.15. We're going to do a Q&A talking through in anything and everything, everything from coronavirus to anything else, any questions that members, attenders, or just folks may have. We'd love to see you there, but if not, y'all go. Have a great week of worship. We'll see you next week.